Good morning. Welcome to Palm Vista. If you would please find your seats. We are now entering the the phase when we get to hear from God. And the way we hear from God is through His Word. So, if you have your Bibles, please turn in your Bibles to John chapter 10. And I have the distinct privilege of bringing God's Word to you. Here at Palm Vista, we, we believe that the preached Word is very important for your life. And so, we, we labor very hard to create a context where you can, in an undistracted way, hear God's Word. We also provide notes. And if you're brand new here, maybe you didn't receive a copy of the notes, or maybe you, need, you don't have a Bible. If that's you, you're brand new, you don't have notes, raise your hand and JP and David will serve you. And uh, it would help you if you could visually see some of the main points that I'll be making from the Word from John chapter 10. Thank you so much. John chapter 10. And we're going to drop into verse 11. John chapter 10, verse 11. If you need notes, just raise your hands. John and JP, David and JP will help you out. John chapter 10, verse 11 says this. Jesus is speaking. And he says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. I am the good shepherd, and the good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. Let's pray. Lord, I pray that you would anoint my lips to speak your word. Father, I pray that you would anoint, that you would help, that you would empower, that you would give understanding to the ears of those who are listening Lord, may you receive the glory as we understand, as we believe and then receive your care for us in Christ. Lord, I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, in this text, Jesus reveals himself as the good shepherd who cares for his sheep by laying his life down for us. And I believe this. I believe that God wants to communicate to you this morning and to me his personal care in Jesus Christ. He wants to communicate to you and to me his personal care in Jesus Christ because, because this is a message that all of us need every day of our lives. Because... Every day of our lives, we are tempted by the enemy of our soul to think God doesn't care for me. How can God care for me? He's way out there. There's six billion people on this earth. How can God care about me? Or maybe God isn't very good. He's powerful. He's holy, but I don't know if he's very good. Because you know what? You know what, Al? I haven't experienced God's care recently. If you only knew what I've been through. If God were good, and he was all-powerful, and he really cared for me, he wouldn't have allowed me to fill in the blank. 
Or if he really cared for me, he would have given me fill in the blank. But he hasn't, Al. So don't come talking to me about God caring for me. Now, I don't know about you. That's a conversation I have with myself every day. So can we just take the religious mask off and put it off on the side? Can I just appeal to you? There is nothing new underneath the sun. Our first parents, Adam and Eve, at the beginning of time, had this temptation thrown right in their face. And from the very beginning of time, Satan, the devil, the enemy of our soul, the, uh, the opposition to God, has been tempting humans with this. Does God really care for you? Well, he doesn't. And so therefore, since he doesn't, you go care for yourself. You go figure it out. You, you be your own God. And this morning, I believe God wants to communicate to you that he cares for you. And he cares for you in a very specific way. He cares for you through Jesus Christ, who in this passage is revealed as the good shepherd. And in this passage, he's revealed as the good shepherd because he laid his life down for you. Not because he gives you everything you want or everything you think you need when you think you need it, but because he laid his life down for you. So let's explore that, okay? So that we can then be equipped when that lie comes. It may be coming right now. It may come this afternoon. Tomorrow's Monday, so there's a good chance most of us, it'll come tomorrow morning, okay? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So when it comes, we can oppose it with the truth that God does care for us. God does care for us. And that's the, the, the main point of this passage you'll see in your notes. Believe and receive God's care for you in Christ. Logically, we first have to believe God's care for us in Christ before we can then receive God's care for us in Christ. So that first point, we must first believe it. And so let's read it here uh, together. John chapter 10, verses 1 and 2. John chapter 10, verses 1 and 2 say the following. Truly, truly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs in by another way, that man is a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. Now here Jesus, in seeking to communicate God's heart for you, that God cares for you, uses a first century figure of speech. There's some people back that have been gone all summer. I just noticed them, okay? Some of them are in disguise, but I see them right over here. All right. Sorry, I got distracted here. Um, the students from school all came back today, so welcome back. Back to the message. Um, so in this passage, Jesus uses a first century figure of speech that communicates very well to a, a Near Eastern Palestinian Jewish person God's care for them, but unfortunately for us in the 21st century, we're going to have to do some explaining. Here's the explaining. In the first century, particularly in Israel, many people earned their living somehow through sheep, okay? So either they, they benefited from it, they owned the sheep, they, they received products from the sheep. So sheep were very, very important. And so most people <clears throat> were associated with sheep. They had sheep, and at night, they had to keep their sheep somewhere. And where they kept their sheep was called a sheepfold or a pen. It was, it was huge. So imagine here in this neighborhood, 
all of us as families, we all had sheep, and we all kept our sheep together, very valuable commodity, in what's called a sheep pen. It had a wall. It usually had, uh, maybe there was some um, you know, glass on the top of the wall to keep the robbers out, and it had a gate. And that gate at night was protected by an under-shepherd. So we would all be shepherds. And we would hire this under-shepherd. He was called a gatekeeper. And that under-shepherd had one instruction. Only let the owner of the sheep into this sheep pen. So the first thing that Jesus is saying, and they would have understood this, he would have said, listen to me. Out there, there's a bunch of thieves and robbers. But I, I'm the owner. I'm your owner. I'm your creator. I mean, he's always associating himself with God. He's saying, basically, I'm God. And because I'm the owner and the creator, I come in through the gate. So that's what verse 1 and 2 says. So the first thing he lays down to them is, I'm your owner, I'm your creator, I come in through the gate. Secondly, so that's that first point there, we belong to Christ. Secondly, in verses 3 through 5, he expands the figure of speech, he expands this word picture, and he says the following. To him, the gatekeeper opens. To whom? To the owner. The one that goes in through the gate. The sheep hear his voice. He calls his own sheep by name, and he leads them out. And when he has brought all out all his own, he goes before them. And the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. A stranger they will not follow, but they will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of of strangers. Now, imagine this. I come up to the sheepfold. It's five o'clock in the morning. Jose comes up to the sheepfold. Corey comes up. Jason, Miguel. We each have sheep in there. They're kind of mixed around. This was a common practice. The shepherd would stand at the gate and call his sheep with a particular tone of voice, obviously his tone of voice, that the sheep would be very familiar with because, you know, shepherds spend like a lot of time with sheep. Kind of boring job, but that's what they do. And not only would he call them with a certain tone of voice, but did you know he had names for every one of his little lambs? He named them. You would too if you spent all day, every day with a bunch of sheep. You would name them, okay? And he he would have nicknames for them. Fluffy. Duffy, Snuffy, I don't know. But here's the deal. Catch this. What Jesus is saying is like that shepherd knows his sheep and the sheep know the shepherd and they know his voice and he names them. He calls them by name. So God this morning knows you by name. Knows you by name. Do you hear God calling you by name? Or is it a generic, hey, you? You know, you can always tell when someone forgets your name. Because they, hey, bro. (laughs) Hey, bud. (laughs) My name's Al, (laughs) okay? Uh, Corey and I were laughing today at the office. Um, There's this one person that shares an office with us, and I see their car. And I say, Corey, it's killing me. I always forget this guy's name. I want to go say hi to him, but I forget his name. He's like, hey, bro, how you doing? Really care for you, man. Love you. Don't know your name, but I love you. A name communicates care. A nickname communicates terms of endearment. 
Anybody that knows me knows that I have nicknames for everybody. If you've heard me take your name and, and butcher it and, and make a nickname out of it, just know that's because I love you, okay? Like, you know, my daughters, right? I'll, I'll let you guess who this one is. Ormiga. Don't ask me where that came from. That's just a nickname for one of my daughters, okay? Stevie, all right? My son, Yankee. Where does, that, where does Yankee come from? I don't know. It's just a term of endearment. Oh, oh, and I have many nicknames. Yankero, Yankee. I mean, I'll, I'll, I'll just, I'll just, I'll make them up. But what is it communicating? It communicates, I love you. It's a term of endearment. So the shepherd would call him by name, and they would follow that shepherd. But if Jose tried to call my sheep, they wouldn't follow him because they wouldn't recognize his voice. So here's the point this morning, point of application in the first five verses of John 10. Have you ever heard God call you by name? Or is he just way out there, and you're way down here, and he really doesn't care for you? Here's my encouragement to you. He does care for you. He does call you by name. He does love you. And he's calling you this morning to believe it because this scripture teaches it. Now, I'm aware that there might be some of you here who do not know the Lord. You are not of his flock. You are not Christians. You're here, and I thank you for being here. But you've never heard the Lord call your name because you're not his. In fact, if you look at the scripture, if you look at chapter 6, or excuse me, Chapter, uh, verse 6 of chapter 10. It says, this figure of speech Jesus used with them, but they did not understand what he was saying to them. That's because they weren't of his flock. And I would just say this to you. If you're here this morning, and you don't have the foggiest idea what I'm talking about, and you've been here many mornings, and it just doesn't make any sense to you, And you're not following the shepherd. You're not following Jesus. You don't recognize his voice. He doesn't call you by name. That's a serious place to be in. I pray for you. Here's the deal. Because you're here this morning, that can change. That can change. You can become one of his sheep. You can become one of his people. You know, the Old Testament has many scriptures where it talks about God being a shepherd to his people. God, he says, the the people of my pasture. He says, I am a shepherd to my people. Of course, the very famous Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd. And so this metaphor of God being a shepherd, his people being like sheep, that's a metaphor for really knowing Christ. Being a Christian, and this morning, if my voice is not recognizable to you, and my words are not something you understand, that can change. I want to speak to you. You're an unbeliever. You're not part of God's flock. But, oh, the fact that you're here means that he probably, maybe, is calling you. And if he is, respond to him. Hear his voice. And respond to that voice. All right, point two. First point is believe his care for you. Second point is receive his care for you. Look at John 10, verses 7 through 9. 
So Jesus again said to them, truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they might have life and have it abundantly. Okay, so here's the question. All right, Jesus, which is it? Are you the shepherd or are you the door? Right? What does verse 7 say? I am the door of the sheep. Yes. What does verse 9 say? I am the door. All right, I am the door. So which is Jesus? Have we caught the Bible in a lie, in a mistake? No, we haven't. We're just 21st century people, and we don't understand first century shepherding. When the sheep are at home at night, they're in a sheepfold that's permanent with a huge door guarded by a gatekeeper. But when the shepherd has his particular sheep out in the fields and he has to, has to overnight in the fields, what he does is he builds a temporary sheepfold. He'll maybe pile some rocks up. He'll spend a lot of time doing this. And then he'll get some branches up so that, you know, sheep are kind of stupid. And you just have a little bit of a, I'm not saying anything about you, but he just had a little bit, in case you missed it, a little bit, you're not as smart as you thought you were, a little, because God calls you sheep. Anyways, he, he piles all this stuff around, so don't look at me like that. He piles all this stuff around, and so it's, it's, it's midnight, it's time to go to sleep, what about the door? Well, guess Guess what, guess what the door is? Guess who the door is? That's right. The shepherd. What the shepherd does is he leaves a space big enough for him and he crawls up and he lays down in the opening and he becomes the door. So that there's no sheep can exit without going over him and no wolf or wild animal can get to the sheep without getting through him. And that, that is what God does for you in your most difficult times when things are really going badly, when you're being attacked or you're afraid and it's at night and you hear the wild animals roaring and screaming and you know they want nothing better than a nice little lamb mutton burger. <laughs> and by definition, because you're a lamb, you are defenseless. What are you going to like gnaw him to death? And you're sitting there and you're hearing all that. Just know this. Lying down at the doorway to your life is Jesus Christ, the warrior. Yes, the Lamb of God who was slain, but also the Lion of the tribe of Judah. Who will rise up and attack your enemies and defeat him. But he's also going to rise up and talk to you if you're a rebellious little lamb trying to get out. You understand what I'm saying? Oh, don't, don't accuse God that he's not caring for you. He's the one lying down, staying up all night to protect you. Oh, hear that. Hear that. If nothing else, hear that. Hear that. Now, what does it say in verses 7 through 9? If you could put those back up again. What does it say? 
It says he does three things for us. Okay? It says there that he's the door to the sheep. Verse 8, all who come before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep do not listen to them. Now look at verse 9. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be, what? Saved. Next, and will go in and out. And finally, find pasture. And if I could just alert you to something, I believe this is the most important part of the message. As I prayed about this message, as I sought God for it, this is the part he really wants you to hear, okay? All right. Three things, three ways that Jesus cares for us. You find them in your notes there. First, Jesus cares for our souls by saving us. That's what it means in verse 9 when it says, if anyone enters by me, he will be saved. That means eternal life. That means that God's wrath and judgment that you deserve is taken by Jesus and you are saved from God and his wrath. But, oh, this is so good. He doesn't just save you from God's wrath and then tell you to get to the back of the building because he can't stand looking at you. Okay? That would be pure justification. That's what this first point is. You saved. He's justified. He saved you from the penalty of your sin. But then look at number two, where it says there you go in and out. Look at that. Verse nine. And we'll go in and out. That's covenantal language. You know what that's talking about? That Jesus cares for you. The second bullet point there. Jesus cares for our souls by accepting us into his family. He doesn't just say, I save you from the penalty of your sin. Legally, you are now able to go free. But now, come on. Come on over to the house. I'm adopting you. I'm adopting you. Sit at the table. Come eat with me. This is covenantal, biblical covenantal language. No time to go through this. You go through it. You study it. You get the, um, the, the commentaries out and read about this phrase. It harkens all the way back to the Old Testament and Israel being called in covenant with God. God doesn't just save you. He, he adopts you. And then number three. Oh, this is so good. He doesn't just save you and adopt you. But as a daddy, he provides for you. That's what it means when it says, and find pasture. Okay, verse 9. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. That means that Jesus cares for our souls by providing for us. He provides for you, friend. He provides for you, single. I felt this from God. Oh, if you're here and you are single and you've doubted God's provision, God provides for you in your singleness, and as his will, his providential, his hidden will, is revealed, he will provide for you a spouse. Just felt like some of the singles were were just being tempted in this area. Is God really caring for me? Or do I just need to go out and find a mate? Oh, let me tell you, those are the thieves that come in secretly over the wall. They sneak in. They don't come in through the gate. They come in through the over the wall. And all they want to do is kill you. They want to destroy you. And they will. And they have to some, I know, in this church. But God's mercy is so wonderful that God has restored the little lamb that got mauled because it snuck out with a thief. And God said, don't sneak out with the thief. 
Only bad things are going to happen there. Come out with me. Follow my voice. And I will give you life. Look at verse 10. The thief comes only to steal, steal and kill and destroy. I came that they might have life and have, have it abundantly. I came that they might have life and have it abundantly. Listen, this is, this is the point I think God wants to make for you this morning. Whether it's a single person and you're struggling with your singleness and a desire to get married, or perhaps you're just a person that wants a relationship that works or wants someone to love you, or you're someone whose business is failing, or you're someone that's going to go to school tomorrow and you're not looking forward to how you're going to be treated, or fill in the blank. You can trust God that he will provide for you. You will find pasture. That's the food that the the lambs need to, to live. God will sustain you. Don't look for it amongst the thieves and the robbers. They will deceive you. They sneak in at night and they will destroy you. But Jesus in verse 10 says, I will give you life and life more abundantly. Now, underneath this second point of receive God's care, look at verses 11 to 15. Jesus now accelerates this figure of speech. He now now brings the most important point to bear. This most important aspect of being a good shepherd. Listen to what he says. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He who is a hired hand and not a shepherd, who does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees. And the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he's a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me. Just as the father knows me, I know the father and lay down my life for the sheep. Jesus is the good shepherd and the verification that he's a good shepherd is that he lays down his life for the sheep. Now, Jesus is simply the fulfillment of all the Old Testament pictures of a good shepherd. Let me just drop into one real quickly for you. It's of King David, who was a fierce warrior, but he was a shepherd to his people. And drop into 1 Samuel 17. You can just see it up here on the screen. 1 Samuel 17. Look at how David prefigured Jesus giving his life for his sheep. Look at this. But David said to Saul, Your servant used to keep sheep for his father. And when there came a lion or a bear and took a lamb from the flock, I went after him and struck him and delivered it out of his mouth. And if he arose against me, I caught him by his beard and struck him and killed him. David was a bad dude. He's killing lions, okay? Verse 36, your servant has struck down both lions and bears. Yeah, lions and bears? Okay, And this uncircumcised Philistine, by the way, he spoke this when he was about to go to battle against a giant named Goliath. He says, I can take that guy because God helped me take lions and bears. I was practicing, and now it's time to take that guy. This Philistine shall be like one of them, for he has defiled the armies of the living God. And David said, the Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion and from the paw of the bear will deliver me from the hand of this Philistine. And Saul said to David, go and the Lord be with you. Now, Jesus fulfills this picture. 
Because we know that David physically did not die before the lion or the bear or even Goliath. Look at Isaiah 53, 12. By the way, you can just jot these down. 1 Samuel 17, 34 to 37, and then jot down Isaiah 53, 12. I'm trying to show you the picture of Jesus as the good shepherd laying his life down for us, his sheep. Therefore, because he laid his life down for us as sheep, you can trust him. This is an Old Testament picture down through the centuries that Jesus fulfilled, and it's still true today. That's why you can trust him. Not because you feel it, but because you know it. And then you're, you knowing it and believing it, then you begin to live it and experience it. And yes, feel it. But it's true whether you feel it or not, whether your circumstances are going the way you want or not. It's true whether God is being a good shepherd and caring for you the way you think he should care for you. Isn't that the rub? Oh, yeah, you're a good shepherd. Oh, yeah, you care for people, but I don't like the way you're caring for me, God. This is how you should care for me. Well, no. He's God, you're not. But look what he did do for you. Isaiah 53, verse 12. Therefore, I will divide him a portion with the many. This is a messianic, prophetic scripture about Jesus. Therefore, I will divide him a portion with the many, and he shall divide the spoil with the strong, because he, Jesus, poured out his soul to death and was numbered with the transgressors, yet he bore the sin of many and makes intercession for the transgressors. Jesus is the good shepherd who lays down his life for you. He doesn't just deliver you from a Philistine named Goliath or from a lion or from a bear that wants to destroy you physically. Jesus laid his life down to deliver you from death and the wrath of God. He delivered you from an enemy you could never deliver yourself from. He did it for you. Therefore, he's a good shepherd. Receive that, no matter what you're going through right now. He died for you on the cross, rose again from the dead, and he calls you by name. Powerful, powerful illustration that my friend Corey reminded me of this morning as we were talking about this in the office. In one of the Gospels, when it's recounting the resurrection, it says that Mary came to the tomb where Jesus was buried and not finding him, spoke to who she thought was a gardener. Sir, where did you put him? She did not recognize it was Jesus until he did what? He said what? Mary. He called her by name. And she went, my Lord and my Savior. Until he calls you by name, this doesn't make sense. But he calls you by name. He died for you. Oh, may he call you by name this morning. And by the way, there's some of us that have been called by name, but we've drifted from this, haven't we? We've spent far too much time accusing God of not caring for us. We've grown a little bit hard of hearing. Oh, may this sermon unplug your ears. And may you hear him afresh and anew call you by name. He died for you, friend. In your notes, just a simple question. Do you know that Jesus laid down his life for you? Do you know this intimacy of God based upon the fact that he called you by name? That's the question for the sermon this morning. As we bring this 
sermon to a conclusion. Look at verses 16 to 18. Interesting, interesting section of scripture here. A little bit more difficult to understand. But let's labor over it for just a moment. Not forgetting what God's main point is. Believe and receive his care for you in Christ. This is interesting what Jesus says. And I have other sheep that are not of this fold. I must bring them also, and they will listen to my voice. So there will be one flock, one shepherd. For this reason, the Father loves me, because I lay down my life, that I may take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down, and have authority to take it up again. This charge I have received from the Father. This other flock, this other groupings of sheep, you know who they are? Us. Remember, he was talking to Jews. And he was saying, I'm calling you, but there is going to be others that I call that aren't of this flock that are Gentiles, and they're going to hear my voice, and they're going to follow me. That's you and me. And then that final section where it says, I lay my life down, people don't take it. I believe what that is discussing, what Jesus is giving us a a little peek into, are the eternal counsels of the Godhead. The eternal decrees of the Godhead, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. You may not be familiar with this, but there's a scripture in the epistles that says, from the foundations of the earth, Jesus, the Lamb of God, was sacrificed. He was slain from the foundations of the earth. Now that blows my mind, blows your mind, but I think it's a picture into what's happening here. Jesus says, yeah, I'm going to die. I'm the good shepherd. I'm laying my life down for you. But I just want you to know something. This is part of the eternal counsel of the Godhead, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit from eternity past, from eternity present, always was, always will be. We decided this from eternity. So, tranquilo. Okay? But number two, you you best believe this. This isn't some religious good idea that I came up with at the last minute. This isn't me like winging it. What's plan B? Now, I don't understand this. But before sin, the Godhead, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, decided that the Lamb would be slain. You don't understand it either, okay? So don't even, you know, don't look at me like that. Some of you think you might, but you don't. (laughs) There are some mysteries. We must be comfortable with them. But, but what does that tell me? Okay, here's the natural progression of it. I'm going to pick on you, Gustavo. Gustavo, before you ever were, and before, before there was ever anything, God knew you. Jesus decided to die for you. So you can trust him. I don't understand why. But he did, not because you earned it, you couldn't have. But because he's good and merciful and kind. So let's not question his kindness or his goodness, but let's believe it and let's receive it. I'm moved by that as I preach it from my own heart. Unfortunately, dear friends, at the very end of this passage, there were two groups of people. One group in verse 19, well, they says there, there was again a division among the Jews because of these words. One group, verse 20, many of them said, he has a demon and is insane. That's pretty simple. 
Why listen to him? And the other group said, These are not the words of one who is oppressed by a demon. And by the way, can a demon open the eyes of a blind person? Now remember, just a chapter earlier, Jesus had opened the the eyes of a man born blind. That had never happened before. So there's two groups here. And there's probably two groups here this morning. Oh, I pray you would be in the latter group that says, I believe. You can say this, Lord, I believe. Help my unbelief. The cancer does give me pause whether you're good. The accident does give me pause whether you're good. The relational breakup does give me pause whether you're good. The suffering in my home does give me pause that you're good. The fact that I lost my job and my house does give me pause that you're good. But though you slay me, I will trust you because you died for me. No other God has died for his people. No other God has been the shepherd of the sheep. None. Only Jesus. Everybody else will come to use and abuse you. Only God comes to care for you. Only God comes to care for you. There is application. Twofold application this morning. Firstly, There are three questions I invite you to take home, work through with your family. Actually, two of them, they're they're statements. You hear God's voice through Scripture, so please read it. You know Christ died for you through the Gospel, so think about it. And you receive Christ's care freely, so give it away to others. But the second application is communion. We're going to celebrate the Lord's table right now. So ushers, would you please take your place? Worship team, would you please join me? Members of Palm Vista, guests, would you please quiet your hearts for a moment? There is a lot of activity going on, but if you would please focus in on what God has done for you. If I could please ask that John 10, 17, and 18 be placed on these screens for a moment. John 10, 17, and 18. Jesus spoke these words in John 10, 17, and 18. For this reason the Father loves me, because I lay down my life that I may take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down. I have authority to take it up again. This charge I have received from my Father. And and leave the scripture up here. What the scripture is saying here is that Jesus Christ came for the very purpose of laying his life down for you and me. And it says this. The very, the very texture of our relationship with God the Father is based upon Jesus' relationship with God the Father. That it was a relationship of obedience and blessing. He obeyed the Father on your behalf. Therefore, your place with the Father is secure. And communion celebrates this. So, ushers, would you please come forward? What we're doing right now is having, back then Jesus gave a word picture of the shepherd with the sheep. He gives us a word picture of representing his blood shed on the cross for us. Representing his body broken for us. This word picture is commanded by the Lord. But what it represents is he gave his life for you and me. If you don't recognize my voice, 
or this message, then I'm going to pray for you in a moment before we receive these elements. And I'm going to pray God opens your ears and you see. And you see that he died for you, that he cares for you. But if after I'm through praying, you still don't understand, I would like to appeal for you not to receive this because you will make a mockery of God and you don't want to do that. Because he gave his life for his sheep. I'm going to pray, if you don't know him, that he makes you one of his little lambs right now. And if you do know his voice, but have grown a little hard of hearing, may this, may he, may his spirit unstop your plugged up ears, your stuffy head. You have sort of a spiritual cold. You can't hear very well. You're doubting God's goodness. Oh, receive his grace, friend. It's based on what Jesus did, not on what you did. So let's pray. Lord, I pray for my friends here. Uh, I pray for those that, that can't hear. They, they see my lips moving, but they don't hear my voice. It makes no sense to them. It's a mockery. It's a joke. It's for old ladies and stuffy churches and it's a bunch of religion. Or perhaps they're saying, Al, I I want it to make sense to me, but it just doesn't help me. Oh, Father, hear their cry and help them right now. Perhaps they've grown up in church all their life, but it's never made sense. Lord, would you cause it to make sense right now? Would you open blind eyes? Would you unstop deaf ears? And would you turn dead, hard hearts that are like a rock? Would you bring life to them? Lord, I pray this. I pray it in Jesus' name. And Lord, I pray that as we receive these elements, we would honor you as the symbol of what they are your covenant with us in Christ. You are the good shepherd. You are the good shepherd who laid his life down for us. Amen. Ushers, would you begin serving everyone? Worship team, lead us in a song. When we've all been served, I'll come back up and lead us in partaking of the elements. Please hold them until then. Thank you. How deep the Father's love for us How vast beyond all measure. I just want to share with you something before we we actually partake. These verses, and if we could put verses 17 and 18 back up, please. These verses speak of the Father and the Son being one in purpose. Jesus did lay his life down, but he laid it down in order to take it back up. That speaks of his resurrection. So, this this unity of the Father and the Son, this oneness is a oneness of command and obedience. Because Christ was obedient to the Father, we experience the Father's love and care personally. That's the connection I want to make for you. 
because Jesus was obedient to his father, you and I experience his care personally. Listen to me carefully. It's not because you were obedient to the father. It's because Jesus was. And you make a mockery of this if you insist if you insist on seeing God as an impersonal taskmaster because of your sin, and some of you probably have some pretty bad sin, and I would say from the Lord, stop it, and we'll help you. But whether you stop it or not, that's not the basis for the fact that you can experience God's care for you personally, because the basis for you experiencing God's care for you personally is that Jesus the Son obeyed God the Father. The command was issued and the obedience was complete. And based upon that, I can say to you now, by grace, take and eat that which gains you God's care, that which makes you part of his people, his flock, his his life. This is life, not physically, but spiritually. And eat it with confidence and joy and receive his care personally. Take and eat the body of Christ. And in the same fashion, on that very night when he said, not my will, but your will be done, Father. And he took that cup and he says, I'll drink it. That cup was the curse of for your sins. Even now, you take and drink this which represents His care for you. Take and drink the blood of Christ shed for you. Isaiah 40 verse 11 says the following. Isaiah 40 verse 11 says the following. He, He will tend His flock like a what? Like a shepherd. And what does he do? Does he beat the lambs? Does he push them? Does he drive them? Western shepherds drive their lambs with dogs. Near Eastern shepherds bid their lambs come with their voice. Jesus chose the latter as his example. He doesn't drive us, friends. We're not cattle. We're lambs. We're sheep. And what does he do? He gathers, he he will gather the lambs in his arms and he will carry them in his bosom and gently lead those that are with young. Oh, do you feel his care? That's what he wants you to feel this morning, his care. Let's stand and sing a final song. At the end of that song, I will issue forth a blessing. Feel his care right now, friends. Feel no believe, receive his care now, right now. When I'm done with the blessing, with the benediction, now even more carefully, listen, if, if you know the shepherd's voice, because the scripture says, my sheep know me and I know them. If you know his voice, if he's your shepherd, this blessing is for you. Just look this way. This blessing comes from the 23rd Psalm. The Lord is your shepherd. You shall not want. The Lord makes you lie down 
in green pastures. The Lord leads you beside still waters. The Lord restores your soul. The Lord leads you in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though you walk through the valley of the shadow of death, you will fear no evil. For the Lord Jesus Christ is with you. His rod and his staff, they'll comfort you. The Lord prepares a table for you in the presence of your enemies. The Lord will anoint your head with oil. Your cup will overflow. Oh, listen, church. Surely goodness and mercy will follow you all the days of your life. And you will dwell in the house of the Lord forever and ever. Amen. Receive that blessing, dear church. God bless you. You're dismissed. If you're a guest, I'd love to say hi to you through these doors. Thank you.